Good morning, Abundant Life family. It's a great honor and privilege for me to be here with you this morning. And uh, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters who live in the country of India and in the country of uh, Nepal, country of Bangladesh, Bhutan, Afghanistan, and Sri Lanka, as uh, Central India Christian Mission is reaching out in those six countries and reaching those people who are the most unreached, those who have never heard the name Jesus Christ, those who do not have scriptures ever translated into their language, those who do not have any church available in their regions, those who don't even have a Christian witness available in their areas. We are reaching out to those people uh, since last, last 35 years, and for the last 25 years, you have been our partners. My wife and I have um, come to you to thank you for your support. We will be traveling in America for next two, three weeks before we go back to India, and um, we are so thankful for your trust in us and your partnership, and not only you are financially supporting us, but in, in the past few years, teams from your church have been to us. Um, Dr. George and Miss Anne have been to, to visit us, to teach our people, and I remember the time when we were preaching in a village, and there was a difficult situation came, and we were about to be attacked from the people. We had to drive through the jungles and drive through the woods to get to the city. Um, so so all those experiences, uh, we are grateful to God for bringing us to you this morning and allowing us to share with you. Um, we live in a dangerous world. Um, even the things that have taken place in your country in recent years, um, nobody would have imagined in past generation that these things would take place in the country like America. No one would have imagined that the Europe would become the capital of terrorism. No one would have believed that even in the country like India, which is a democratic country, we are the largest democratic nation on the face of this earth, people are being killed for their faith. Um, every year, according to the Barna Research Group, 125,000 Christians are being martyred because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, we have some areas where churches have been um, completely demolished. Uh, Christians have been killed. Christian preachers have been uh, burned to ashes. Their homes have been destroyed. Um, so we have, we have gone through all this, and we, we still see uh, the persecution, and, and we still see the, the terrorism and extremism. Uh, India is not a very big country when you see the area. It's less than one-third of the total area of America. Um, but when you consider the population, our population is 1.3 billion, which is one-sixth of the total world population. Um, and we are the fastest-growing nation uh, on the face of this earth. We have 20 million babies being born every year, which means we add one Australia to every year to our, our population. Um, it is not only the largest Hindu nation, it is not only the largest Buddhist nation, but it is the second largest Islamic nation. And the way Islam is growing, they are saying that five years from now, India will be the largest Islamic nation. 
So we live in that country where Christians are in microscopic minority. In, in our area, uh, less than 2% people are, are followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and we, we see, we face a difficult situation, adversity, preachers are being beaten, um, they, their daughters and wives have, uh, have been raped, and all kinds of these things. Um, just, just some time back, I had a meeting uh, at our parliament house in New Delhi, and my friend and I were going, and as we got to clo closer to the, to the parliament house, at the gate, uh, we heard a bomb explosion inside our parliament house, and there were people, security people, they came and said, you need to leave this area as soon as possible. So we returned back, came to the hotel where we were staying, and we found that our, uh, our, our, um, our, our parliament house was attacked by the Islamic terrorists. Um, in the state of Orissa, from 23rd of August 2008, uh, because of the killing of a Hindu leader uh, who was a, a nationally known leader, and, and Maoist movement killed that person, but the blame was put on Christians. So from 23rd of August, the, during the monsoon si uh, time, um, hundreds of Christians uh, were killed. Over 500 Christian leaders and preachers in one month time. 220 church buildings were totally destroyed. Um, um, there are still 55,000 Christians, your brothers and sisters, who are homeless because of that tragic event in the, in the state of Orissa. So we live in the world which is, uh, uh, which is surrounded by extremists and terrorists. And, and this morning I would like to suggest that Jesus wants us to be Christian extremists. And, and I'm not talking about the extremism which destroys and kills and damages, but I'm, I'm talking about the extremism that, that Jesus Christ has lived and taught about. And I'm, I would like to suggest at least four uh, elements of Christian extremism. Um, and the very first element of the Christian extremism is having the extreme love. It's not just loving those who love you. It's not loving those who provide for you, who pray for you, who care about you. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verses 44 through 46, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain to the righteous and unrighteous. So Jesus is saying, what good is it if you only love those who love you? If you need to love your enemies and pray for those who, who persecute you. And, and I, I've seen, I've talked to many people. I, I have gone through some situations when our family was attacked. Our home was attacked by gunmen. Uh, and I had I had, had chance in this state of Punjab to preach at the gunpoint. But talking to the people and preachers and who are going through persecution, they have never asked me to pray that persecution would end. They have asked me to pray that pray that we will stay faithful to the very end of their lives. 
when uh, Brother George and Miss Anne came and visited us, we had a preacher who came to share his testimony uh, with his wife, Savita. And they were working in a very remote area called Palari. And in that area, they were bringing hundreds of people to the feet of Christ. And, and others saw Christianity as a threat to their religion. So they were, they were beaten, they were attacked. And finally, finally, one day, they took Emmanuel and Savita to the forest, to the jungle, and they tied, tied Emmanuel with the rope on a tree. And they said, Emmanuel, this is your last chance. Um, if, you, if you just sign the document which says, I hate Jesus Christ, I reject Christianity, and I'm, I'm prepared to leave this area immediately. They said, all you have to do is sign and your life will be saved. He said, no. His wife said, no. So finally, to make my story short, they came and they raped his wife in front of him. And four months later, on 1st of January, I received a call that evening. And I picked up the phone and it was Emmanuel. And Emmanuel said, Brother Rajay, I have a great news to tell you. And I said, what is happening, Emmanuel? And he said that... We had a wonderful New Year's worship service, and I baptized 10 people this morning. And I said, praise the Lord, that's great. But last year you had 40 baptisms. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. The 10 people I baptized, four of them were those who came to kill us and who raped my wife. And I said, how can you do that? How can you do that? That's impossible. If something like that happens to me, I would be ready to kill them. He said, no, instead of going to the police department, we went to their home, we went on our knees, we pray for, prayed for them, we, took, we, we cooked food for them, we invited them for tea, and we continued to, to show our love and invited them to the worship service, and a lot of Christians prayed for them. And he said, four months later, today, Four people came and they are not our enemies. They have become brothers. Emmanuel has a great heart, great heart of extreme love that is only possible knowing and being connected with Jesus Christ. Then the second element of, uh, of extreme love, I, I'm limited to my time, so I'm trying to go fast. Um, God, <laughs> I'm... Uh, and, uh, um, God knew that you have an Indian preacher this morning, so he gave you a, an extra hour so I can <laughs> preach longer. The second element of Christian extremism is having the heart of extreme compassion. You know, in the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus had that compassionate heart. He was moved with compassion. He saw that the, when he saw the people, he saw that people as they were lost, like a sheep without the shepherd. He, he saw the sick and healed them. He saw the lepers and the prostitutes and the robbers and the outcasts and the, and the untouchables and those people. And Jesus touched them and loved them and forgave them. When he saw those people, he was so moved when he saw the city of Jerusalem that he had tears in his eyes. Do we have that compassion? And as we have, if we have that compassion, then we can become a very strong witnesses of Lord Jesus Christ. Compassion is not just a feeling that comes and goes. You, you turn your television on and you see that a child in Ethiopia is dying with starvation. And then you, you feel the burden in your heart and when, that, when the channel is being changed, that burden is gone. The only way to stay connected 
with the people and, and, in the, and, and having the compassionate heart is to become involved in the process. Someone has defined compassion saying compassion is a sense of shared suffering combined with an action to reduce some suffering. Dr. John Maxwell has given this, uh, the, the definition of a compassionate person. He said a compassionate person is the person who knows the way, who goes the way, and who shows the way. Who knows the way, who knows Jesus Christ, who follows Jesus Christ, and who is a witness of Jesus Christ. And, and as we have experienced, we have a hospital with 140 bed um, uh, hospital. We did, did cleft lip and palate surgery. As our people did that over 3,000 surgeries in last 10 years with the children who were considered cursed children. They, were, they could not go to school. They could not have friends because they were cursed uh, as they believe according to the tradition, traditional religion that they did bad karmas in their previous life. So they are simply facing the consequences of the bad karmas. So they were cursed children. They could not go to the well with their mothers because they said if they touch the well, God's curse will come upon them and we will have drought. Uh, they could not go to the school with the, because of the same reason. But when they came to us, uh, they had... They had had, uh, they were they, they, after that constructive surgery. Uh, they became our friends, and we were able to build bridges. And now, in our district alone, in our area, there are 33 churches have been planted in 10 years because these people came to the hospital, and we were we, we were able to touch those people. Our hospital is in a remote area. Can you imagine? Uh, 10 million people in the in the region of Central India with no cath lab with no MRI, with no CT scan. If you have a heart attack, you have to travel eight hours. So we are trying to develop all that. And as, as we are doing, we are providing uh, drilled wells in, in different villages where people don't have to walk five miles to get a bucket full of drinking water. And with all these acts of compassion, uh, God is, is honored and many people see the love of Lord Jesus Christ and uh, they, they come to know uh, Jesus uh, through these acts. But can you imagine? I don't think we can e even begin to imagine that in the world in which you and I live today, 33,000 children are dying because of starvation. I don't think you and I can ever imagine what happens to a child when he goes to the extreme suffering of, of, of starvation and comes to the point where he dies. Um, I don't think we can even imagine that, that um, every, you know, you, you know, every day 30,000, 33,000 children are, that, that does not affect the way we live and the way we, we, we spend and the way we think. Uh, it doesn't affect us. 33,000 children. And then there is a tragedy and bomb explosion and five people are dying and it's national tragedy. Do we, have, do we have the heart of extreme compassion? Do we, do we see that there are two million girls in Asia alone, they are forced into, into human trafficking, into prostitution, because they don't have any other option to live? Do, 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 you, uh, do you know that two billion people on the face of this earth have no health care available. They don't even have primary health care. And that's why, according to World Health Organization, every year, 50, 
5,000 women die while giving birth to their child because no primary health care is available. But what is sad, according to a missiological survey, that every day, 95% people who die, they die without Christ and go to the other side of eternity. Do we have that compassion for our neighbors, for the people who work with us, for the person at the gas station? If we start loving people more than we love our pets, this world will be a different place. Do we have that compassion? Then the third element of Christian, Christian extremism is having the heart of extreme forgiveness. I'm not going to spend too much time here because what Jesus has said, it's very, very clear. Matthew chapter 6, uh, I'm, Matthew chapter, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus is saying very clearly that if you forgive men when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. It's that plain and clear. And, and the issue of forgiveness is such, an, such, an, such a significant issue because it is, it is directly related to the issue of our salvation. Because if my sins are not forgiven, if I don't have a forgiving heart, if my sins are not forgiven, I'm lost. I'm lost. I was reading an article about forgiveness. And it, this article says there are four promises. There are four promises of forgiveness. When I say I forgive you, I make four promises. My first promise is to say I'm not going to dwell in what has happened. I'm not going to focus my attention on that incident, what has happened. Second promise I make that I will not use that incident against you in any way. Number third promise is I'm making that I will not talk about that. What has happened has happened. I'm never going to talk about that to anyone. And the fourth promise that I make, that I will not allow this incident to stand between us, to become a wall. You know, a few years back, we had an Australian missionary. His name was Graham Staines. And uh, he was working in the state of Orissa in India and his wife and his three children. And one afternoon, Dr. Graham Staines was invited to a village festival. So he took his two sons, Philip and Timothy, they were five, seven and five years of age, and as they were traveling, and they came to the village, right before that, there was a group of 200 some extremists. They came and surrounded the vehicle, and they hated him because he was bringing hundreds of people to the feet of Christ. So they, they, they burned his vehicle and they burned Graham and his both sons alive in that vehicle. The next day, the funeral was taking place and, and the whole media, the television, the national television was, fo was focusing this event. And his wife was standing next to him and, and, and near, near, near all this what was happening. And, and the press reporter comes and says, Mrs. Gladys, how do you feel about this, about those people who have, who have burned your husband and your two children alive? She looked at, the, at that man and she said, 
I have no feelings of anger and revenge against them. I have already forgiven them. I'm just praying for them that someday they will come to know the love and forgiveness and, uh, uh, and grace that is only possible through Lord Jesus Christ. And then she, she took the hand of her 14-year-old daughter and mother and daughter stood and sang loudly, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear has gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives and the entire India was shaken our parliament was shaken our Hindu extremist leaders were shaken and this press reporters jumps in front of the camera and says if this is what Christianity is all about I want to follow Lord Jesus Christ do we have that heart of extreme forgiveness and finally the fourth element of Christian extremism is having the heart having the extreme concern for those people who are lost without Jesus Christ, who have never heard about Christ, who, who do not know about Jesus Christ, who, who, are, who don't have scriptures ever translated. You know, we are standing here 2,000 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we are saying that still there are 2 billion people are unreached. More people know about Coca-Cola than Jesus Christ. More people know about Michael Jackson than Jesus Christ. More people know about your president and our prime minister than Jesus Christ. And we are standing here as believers, as a body of Christ, saying still two billion people are unreached. It's not enough to feel the burden, but we need to become involved in the process. Ten years ago, I was in Dallas, Texas. And I had a chance to talk to pioneer Bible translators. And I said that, that we have over 20 million people who speak Bundeli language. And they have no scriptures ever translated into their language. We had a meeting and finally they said, Brother Rajay, um, we don't know any group on the face of this earth with over 100,000 people who never had any scriptures translated into their language. Well, we said goodbye. You know, they did not believe what I was saying. Ten days from that time, I got a call. They wanted to have a meeting, and they said, Brother Raja, you were wrong. It's not 20 million people. It's 27 million people. And my brothers and sisters, today it's 52 million Bundeli people. We pray together, join hands together. Our Bundeli people who work on the streets, our Bundeli professors and teachers and editorial board and Central India Christian Mission and Pioneer Bible Translators came together, joined hands, and in five years published 40,000 New Testaments, first time in the history of India in Bundeli language. And now because of that, over 100 churches have been planted in Bundeli region. And I can say now, two months ago, even entire Old Testament has been translated now four people in New Delhi are involved in translating the New Testament into the language called Pashtun which is the language of Talibani people because 100,000 refugees from Afghanistan are living in our capital of New Delhi do we have that heart not only to feel the burden but do something about that if we believe that Jesus is the Christ 
And Jesus is the only way and the truth and the life. There is no other name given under heaven but Jesus through which men can have salvation. If we believe whoever believes in the Son has life and whoever rejects Son will not see life. If we are convicted that we need to do more, we need to go more, we need to send more, we need to give more, we need to pray more. We can come up with many excuses. What can I do? What one person can do? I want to conclude my message by sharing a story, uh, by a poem written by Mother Teresa of Calcutta just before she died. She wrote a poem which was originally written in, in, uh, in Bengali and Hindi language, and it was translated. The title of the poem is Anyway. And, and this is what she has written. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies succeed anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone can come and destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous around you. Be happy anyway. Do good. Uh, the good you do today to the people will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you got anyway. Because you see in the final analysis, because you see in the final analysis, it was never between, it was, it was always between you and God, never between you and them. Love people anyway. Forgive them anyway. Love people anyway. Thank you so much.